Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Paratalk and on this episode Tom's back and we're going to do some more uh, weird things but we're going to do something a little bit different on this episode we're going to kind of step back to our childhoods and we're going to talk about um, video games but we're not going to talk about video games in just what's our favorite game we're going to talk about video games that have got a slightly darker side kind of a cursed video games but anyway without further ado let me bring in tom and uh we'll get going hello tom hello hello how are you yeah i'm good good glad to be back good 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 um always like coming on for a chat oh yeah oh yeah it's always oh, fun yeah. it's always fun having a chat with you because we never know where it's going to go um where yeah. is the conversation going to go who knows mm-hmm. i don't know uh so video <laughs> games <laughs> i'm yep. i'm i'm wondering first of all um i want to get a little bit of your i mean I, everyone knows you do a bit of gaming but where did that where did that really start for you where did it sort of video games sort of pop up in your life you know what? i can't remember like the first thing i played i i remember i was probably like something on a, on an arcade machine like when I was probably too young to even figure out how to operate, you know, I probably was too small to even reach the uh, the joystick or anything. But I remember at some point in my life pestering my parents for a computer and I didn't really know what I wanted. I just said, right, I want a computer to play something, to play video games, to play computer games. And they ended up buying me a ZX Spectrum. And I think by the time I got this Spectrum, it was already like it was. I think the Spectrum came out in like '83. I think by the time I got one, it was sort of already going out of out of fashion. So it's probably quite late on in the Spectrum's life. And a lot of the a lot of the kids that I was in school with were probably playing on like the Nintendos and Sega machines. And I had I I only knew one other kid in my school with a Spectrum, but that's what I started on ZX Spectrum. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um. My brother had um, Ant Attack on the Spectrum. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. yeah, I've got a video on my channel playing that. It's a good, it's a good like it's a good creepy game as well. Ant Attack. It's got a. I don't know. I think the Spectrum uh, themselves. I mean, a friend of mine bought a ZX eighty one in kit form, and he built it. Mm, and yeah, I remember the first game I played on it was uh, Scram. I think it was Scramble, and it was just uh, yeah. very simple. It had a membrane. A, like a hard membrane keyboard there was no yeah. joystick or anything like that but that was my first sort of um experience of a home-based video but my experience of games goes mm. way back to when i was a a wee a wee lad a wee nipper way way <laughs> back when i was like i think i was about five or six and yeah me and my well my family we lived on a it was a like a, a kind of a caravan park but it was a part residential and part holiday so you had people that lived in caravans and people that lived um you know went there for holidays or owned a caravan and went there for a holiday and on this caravan park now we're, we're talking like this is like early 70s mid to early 70s you got your base city rollers you know you got all that and you got mm-hmm. your uh, you got your you got your Gary Glitter. Oh, better not mention him again. And your Alvin Stardust, all that, all that sort of stuffs in the charts. But I'm a little kid. I got my I got my flare trousers on, and me uh, and me nylon t-shirt, and I'm I, you know I'm out on the town. And so 
on this caravan park, there was a little, like an amusement, like an amusement arcade, but not an amusement arcade in the sense of an arcade. It was a room that was uh, like a social place where they had like a little bar, they had like a cafe, if you can call it a cafe, it was literally like one table and two chairs. And But the great thing was that anyone could go in there, not kids, couldn't, kids couldn't go in the bar, but you could go in the rest of it. But you, they're in there, they had these games. And these games were, they, they were all mechanical. This is, this is before the, the rise of, you know, Silicon Valley and microchips yeah. and all. They were around, very rare though, very rare. Yeah. It was all mechanical stuff. It's one of so the main like pinball machines and things like exactly. that. Exactly, that was yeah. my first, um, my my first um, experience of what I would call a arcade machine was was a pinball machine, and the yeah. guy it was two pence ago. Put your two pence in, and you could play you, you, three balls. Uh, I could never reach it, so the guy in the cafe, because mm. we lived there, he called and knew my parents and stuff. Um, we didn't live in the cafe, but we lived in the caravan, um, but. He gave me a little box, and I could stand on this like orange crate to play this pinball yeah. machine. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what I was doing. Like you, I'd just you know send the ball on its way and just hit the clickers and and just play the game. But that was my first kind of um, you know experience of a video, what I would call a arcade machine. And it wasn't you know obviously years later in the eighties that was when you started getting involved with the arcades and I mean, when was your first, when was your first experience of an arcade? When did, when did you go sort of, you know what my mine's probably very similar to yours, except I didn't live there, but we used to go to a, a lot of caravan parks when I was a kid. Yeah. And a lot of the, a lot of those parks had a little arcade in there and it was quite similar to what you're describing. There was like a bar area and then, um, you know, somewhere you could buy like sweets and things, and then an arcade. Well, it was a different setup on every park, but it was usually quite similar to that. There was like a little social area and an arcade, and um, I, I quite liked them because they had they always had like they're always quite small. These little arcade rooms I found in these parks, mm. so you'd go away for like a week or two, and you'd only have like one or two machines in there yeah and then you'd you'd get really good on like through the course of the holiday like I'd, you know in the morning i remember like i always used to pester my dad for some change or some money for the day and then i'd run off to the arcade and play i can't remember what what games i used to play. there was there was one where it was like the robocop machine i remember playing that quite a lot um yeah i can't remember exactly but i always remember that there was like these little small rooms of arcade arcade machines in there and i'd always get like quite good at one particular game over the course of a holiday and then i'd go home and never play it again did you um did you ever have like uh when you were a little bit older and you started to go to um i'm i'm quite fortunate i grew up in a seaside town so Mm. being a young kid in a seaside town in the in like 19 sort of late 70s early 80s and there's a whole road of arcades and uh, there it's obviously it's changed a lot now because it's now all gambling machines and there aren't there aren't many like space invaders or whatever but back in those days in the like 81 82 it was you know you had all your cabs you had your galaxian gallagher mm. space invaders defender all of that you had all of that stuff when did you you know when did you start using 
go into those kind of places. Did you have a group of people that you would always meet and, and go to those places? No, I, I don't think I've ever really um, went to those kind of places when I was a kid. I think most of, most of the time when I played an arcade machine, it was usually in a, in a, some kind of park or something like that. Or if it was, if, if we'd gone to like a seaside for a holiday and there was like, you know, the seaside amusements somewhere like that. But um, where I grew up as a kid, there was nothing around there. There was no like arcades to go to. It was quite, a, it's, you know, it's quite a small town in yeah. Wales. Um, I remember at one point they were talking about opening up, up an arcade in this precinct near where I lived and all the kids were really excited and the um the parents got together and like um protested it and, and it never went ahead. And I remember being really mad because all these all these there was nothing to do in this town. It was like, you know, there was there was a park, but it wasn't like there wasn't really play equipment on it. It was just a bit of grass. There wasn't anything to do for kids. And I was like, yes, an arcade. And the parents were just like, no, this is going to corrupt the children. You know, we don't want the kids going in there and getting addicted to computer games and, you know, pumping all their money into these machines, rotting yeah. their brains. And they protested it and got it shut down. So, yeah, I could I could have had a, that sort of childhood. But, um, no, it was, it was uh, you know, the, the adults got together and stopped it. So um, yeah, I didn't really growing up. I didn't really have a, that that sort of experience of getting together with my mates and going down the arcade and you know having a certain machines that we'd go to. My my memories are mostly of like I say going to um, going to these caravan parks. Some of them would have like quite big arcades. Yeah. Um, and I was always quite young. I remember quite a lot of the time there'd be like th the best machines would be hogged by like a group of older kids. Like the the uh, I remember there was like a, a wrestling game a WW, WWF game and it was always looked that fun but there was always like a gang of teenagers around it hogging the machine all day so you know you'd have to just pay, play the ones that other people didn't find you know other, other people didn't find as as entertaining. Did you ever experience the kid that would come up and put his uh, put his tempi on the uh, side of the machine and go I'm next? You have to do yeah, that. Yeah, there was a lot of that. <laughs> I tell you what, I remember. In one in one caravan park, which only as a real only as an adult I realised this was happening to me. But I was playing on this pinball machine, and this kid came up and stood next to it. He was like, "Right, I want to go on this." I was like, "Well, I'm playing. I've got all this change. I'm you know I was putting the machine, and then suddenly the um the paddles just stopped moving, right. and the ball like went down into the gutter. And I was like, "Oh no!" So I put another ten p in, started playing, and then the same thing happened. Like. The machine made like an alarm noise and the paddles stopped moving. I realized, and this kid was still stood by the side of the machine. I realized years later what he was doing was that he was lifting up the machine slightly uh, so that it, you know, when it, it, when it, nudge, it tilts. Yeah. yeah, tilt mode. Yeah. It was like tilts. Yeah. I thought the machine was just breaking. I was like, oh, it's broken. You have a go. But I was putting <laughs> like 10 P's in and it was, it was doing this over and over again. Years later, I was like, it dawned on me. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> he conned you. I can't believe it. He yeah, I was only little. I was only little, so you know, I can I can forgive myself so for being that dumb. But... If I was to ask you, um, what's your favourite? If you put yourself back in those days, what's your favourite arcade game that you still play today? Oh, okay. Well, my favourite one, and I don't know, does this count? Because I didn't really play it when I was. I didn't really play this back in the day. I never found a machine of it, but recently I've really got into asteroids. 
So oh, I yeah. don't know if that counts because it is an arcade it machine, an arcade but I've never machine. actually played it. No, I've never played it on an arcade. Fine. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, I know that there's a few places. Have you ever been to those places where, like the modern day arcades, where you just pay a certain amount to get in and then all the arcade machines are free? Have you That's ever been to really any weird. of those? It's really weird you bring that up because I was talking to my mate the other day. There's a place um, up, up, up about 150, 200 miles away. And it's, um, mm. it's basically, it's uh, like you just said, they've got like over 150 or 200 machines. You pay, I think yeah, it's 25 yeah. pounds. They got a cafe there and you get a little wristband and you can go and you can stay there for the whole day um, and everything's on free play and it's all the classic machines that we talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely want to do it and we were on about doing it this year, um, just going for the day and just spending the whole day. And there's a few of those mm. places um the uh, retro um uh there's a retro arcade uh channel online that uh up in the i think they're not that far from me they've got uh they're doing the sort of, sort of similar thing mm. but yeah I, yeah I would love to do that i mean it brings back that kind of thing brings back the feel of um an arcade and i think it's to do with the sound the smell of the machines yeah, yeah that's it you can't you can't get it just sitting at home playing you can emulate the games well but yeah. you can't get that atmosphere and yeah. it's, it's the feeling of the joysticks and the machines and yeah Apart from the, the, the smoke of it the smoke i mean back oh, in yeah. those days you could obviously you could smoke in an arcade and everybody mm. would put their cigarettes on the side of the arcade machine and the all the arcades machines were always burnt they had cigarette burns all over them and some arcades yeah. would have the um the, the real retro pink and orange and green carpet and you could see that it had like beer on it and coke on it and food on it and stuff mm. where people had just been eating their food while playing video games i mean there's oh, there's yeah. none of that now but that yeah, the, yeah. those things add to the experience of going for me going to an arcade and those kind of memories when i think of an arcade kick in oh I mean, I remember when yeah, you went yeah. in and there was that burger on the floor or somebody had left their dinner yeah. on that arcade machine. So, I mean, yeah. I remember I remember going in to play Star Wars one day. It was um, the stand-up cab of, of Return of the Jedi, and somebody mm. literally left a half-eaten kebab on the, <laughs> on, the, on the play area, just half-eaten it and yeah. just walked off, just left it there. Yeah. I, I, you know, I had, to, I had to dispose of that before I could play the game, and then all the, all the controls were all greasy with, like, kebab meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I went i went to one i went to one in berry called arcade club and it was one of those places where you just paid to get in that was mm. good but there was there was an Ast asteroids machine there and I, I wasn't into it at the time i'd love to go back and just play like i'd love to try like the original machine because I'm, I'm quite good at it like on the computer so i don't know i love what, do um, you have a do you have a favorite arcade game i do um my favorite arcade game is um well, I have two, but they kind of they're they're ranking, uh, you know, either side. So Galaxian and Galaga. Galaxian is a little bit more favourite. Those are the only two games, and the reason those two games are up there, my favourite games, is they're some of the first arcade games that I used to play. Me and my friends, yeah. uh, we on the coast here. You can walk all the way down around the coast, and as you walk down through the promenade which goes the whole length of our, the coastal area here, um, you, you get all these little nooks and crannies, little cafes along the way. And in this one cafe uh, that we used to go to, they had two arcade machines. 
and one of them was uh, Galaxian, and the other one was Gallagher. And we used to go to this arcade, well, it was a cafe, but it was like a, a mini micro arcade as well. Uh, they had a few, um, like, uh, they had a pinball, pin, pinball machine, and they had a gambling machine, a nudger machine. And um, mm -hmm. we would go to this place, and we'd have, like, a, a, a glass of pop or whatever, and we would play these games. And we were literally playing for hours, hours and hours we played these games. Yeah. Um, and it's and it just and it, it you, you grew up with it and and also it's pretty much one of the only games that I'm pretty good at and because a lot of those games back then uh, were were super difficult because they wanted to make them difficult so people kept putting money in them you know so you get frustrated yeah. and think oh I'll have another go oh I got I got a, you know I got to continue another ten p yeah another ten p and uh, before you know it you've gone for a quid uh, it doesn't sound a lot now but back then when your pocket money was literally well, my pocket money was like one pound seventy-five a week, uh, and you go down the arcades and you literally could blow that in an afternoon, all gone, all gone. Yeah, your skin. But anyway, so what the reason that we're we're reminiscing a bit is because this episode is going to be about some of those video games that apparently are a little bit. Um, I don't know what the word is. Would it, I think is the right word? Cursed, Tom. Yeah, I'd say cursed, haunted, or just mysterious i don't know yeah cursed i'd go with one of the games that uh was immensely frustrating for me i still have it now actually on because i i'm still a, a proud owner of an atari 2600 uh and uh although although it kind of is on its last legs i would never get rid of it because it's it plays a major role in my uh, growing up of video games but i do have it under em emulation as well but one of the, the games that is incredibly difficult, but has got a lot of this kind of urban legend and weirdness around it, is Berserk, a 1980s game by I think it was by was it by Stern Electronics. What's what's the what's the story here, Tom? What's the story about this game? Now I want to say first off, I don't know how certain some of these some of these details mm. i'm going to give you i'm not 100 percent sure on yeah. how accurate they are because it's when you look at these things online there's all these different articles and all these different stories and they mix up all the details and you can never really confirm anything for for sure so apparently right and most of these legends most of these stories about this berserk game seem to center around a particular arcade mm. called Friar Tux. Apparently, Berserk has killed three people. <laughs> this number changes depending on which article you read. And also, apparently, all these deaths occurred at Friar Tuck's Arcade huh. in uh, Calumet City in Illinois. I'm looking at an article here, and I'm trying to find the details of the... Yeah, because there's only a couple of guys that have had, um, apparently, uh, allegedly, had uh, a heart attacks after playing the game so yeah yeah that's it i'm trying to find the details here the first one was called a 19 year old called jeff daly and the weird thing about his death right he was just playing the game and then apparently immediately after he, he, he got a high score and then immediately after he fell down had a heart attack and died you know kind of strange for a young kid yeah but also his high score was 16,660. So if you take the one and zero off that score, it leaves 666 in yeah. the middle. So, you know, people are a bit 
people are a bit weirded out over that, saying it's maybe something to do with like a demonic influence. And then as the story goes, a year later, there was an 18-year-old kid called Peter Bukowski, and he went in playing the same berserk machine in the same arcade, and he got his name on the high score board twice. And I can't find any stories that tell you what high score he got, whether the, whether it had 666 in the number or not. But he, he got his name on the scoreboard twice. And then he went walked over to play another game. And before he even got to the next machine, he fell over and uh, had a heart attack and died. Uh, but, there, but there's a lot of dispute over the first one, whether that one really happened. I'm pretty sure that the second death, Peter Bukowski, is quite well recorded. And there's like news articles and things that talk about it. The first one, Jeff Daly, it's a bit more dubious. I can't find too much to confirm whether that's, that part of the story is true. Um, but there was another death. This wasn't someone dying of a heart attack after playing the game. It was a fight outside the same arcade. And some people say that the the fight started over who was next to play this berserk machine. Like someone had put them, I think it was kind of similar situation to you described before. Someone put their money on, on the machine yeah. to say like, I'm next. And yeah. the fight broke out. Somebody got stabbed and died. But mm -hmm. I don't know whether it's just that this urban legend had already started around this machine and then someone got stabbed and they might have just said, oh, it's something to do with this berserk machine and sort of attributed to it. Mm. I'm looking at these, you know, I'll say I've made a few notes as well. I'm listening along. And the say, okay, so I'm going to pretend, let's pretend that uh, that this, all, all of what we've just talked about is, is completely 100% real and mm -hmm. true. Okay, well, obviously we can't for 100% say everything that we're talking about is real. That's why we're speculating. But the thing is, right, if you've got two people here and they both had a heart attack, right, and they've yeah. both been playing the game. Now, I know how hard that game is and I know how frustrating it is, especially when the little the tomato man comes on the screen and is chasing you relentlessly. You know, little, yeah, little Evil Otto. Thing. Evil Otto. He's, you yeah. know, you can't get away from him. Uh, well, you can, but it's difficult. But the thing is, it's like, if you're thinking about it, now we do know that anyone in, in a, on the planet can have a, uh, you know, a pre-undiagnosed condition where you can just drop dead from heart failure. Mm. It happens to young people, to old people. Very rare in young people, but it, it can be there and it can happen. Now, without the, um, the autopsy reports or anything like that, it's very hard for us to decide the, the actual cause of death all we know is the person had the, some form of heart failure now would that be induced by the I suppose the competition or the anxiety or the stress of playing a game like that do you think yeah I think I think that's quite a likely explanation when you're playing something like that your heart rate's going crazy when you when you're getting a high score on something the tension that you feel. See that? Was... It, yeah. If if someone's got a weak heart, yeah, it could be you know just any any sort of anything that sets your heart rate going could so could finish high you scores, off. You know. I mean, if you think about it, high scores back then were were really important. You you would go to an art. I don't know about you. I suppose you've gone to little mini arcades. 
you wanted your name on that screen. You wanted your mm -hmm. mark on that screen and you would keep pumping money in the arcade machine to get your initials on that screen so that when you went away and your mates would go, oh, I saw you did the high score. I saw you were on the top 10 or whatever. And it was a, it was like a, a, a badge of honor that I'm on that screen. People are going to see my initials. Uh, I know I've done it. I've done it in arcades. I put money in machines and kept playing and playing and playing just to try and get my name on there. Uh, very rarely did it happen, but it's it's a thing and i may maybe i'm wondering that these uh, young kids here had a similar thing they wanted to be the best in their game mm -hmm. and that um, unfortunately and sadly it brought on a condition where they you know they they died but yeah is there a devil is it cursed Una, uh, unlikely i don't i don't think it's the game that is that is that is indirectly what well, is directly responsible in a indirect way you know, mm -hmm. that's, I think that's the best we can deduce from that. But the next game that I wanted to uh, to talk about was a game uh, called, well, is a game because it's still around, a game called uh, Taboo: The Sixth Sense. Now, yeah. this this is um this is a bit of a an interesting one. This is from Rare, and it's uh, in nineteen eighty nine, right? It, it's a, yeah. Was this on? It was on the Nintendo. Yeah. Nintendo Entertainment System. That's right. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is yeah. a really weird. Um, this is not the sort of game, right? It, to be honest with you, this is not the sort of game that I would expect to see on a a console that is primarily uh, designed for very young children. Although, yeah. I'm I'm not saying that every you know you have to be a young kid to play these video games. As, I mean, I, I had a, a Super Nintendo when I was uh, in my you know late twenties, and and I really enjoy playing it. But the thing is that yeah. When you, if you're a good game designer, and you sit around a table and go, "All right, Tom, I want to, I, I want some, I want you to give me some ideas for a video game," I don't expect you to say to me, "Let's do a, a game on tarot cards," because I'll be like, "Yeah, it's what? a strange choice." You know, it's a bit weird. Mm. But anyway, so this game, uh, you, you have, you have a, you have the game, and then what you do is you put your uh, information in it, your your name and your uh, all, all your other bits and pieces and uh, then you ask it some questions and then what the the game does it, it gives you a a prediction and it tells you you know a, a response to what you've asked it now apparently now as we're saying it's speculation but apparently uh, some people who've played this game they have uh, basically experienced in their real life uh, what the game has predicted for them. So if it says that you might uh, watch out because you might have a, a fall um, in in the near future, and they've gone out and fallen down a set of steps, not no, not straight away, mm -hmm. but you know what I mean. <laughs> Just by putting it in could a few be. Words. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, if if a if a tar if a tarot deck could predict the future, I don't see why it wouldn't work in a digital format. It's just doing the same thing, isn't it? It's bringing out a random set of answers, and you're sort of interpreting, uh, interpreting, uh, interpreting them in a way that you can think, "Oh, that'll that means that." I mean, a lot of t a lot of times when you get these predictions, they only really come true in when you think back on them. Mm. You know, when you like, you'll you'll get something. You'll get a card saying like, I don't know, like the tower card or something, and you'll think, "Oh, something bad's going to happen," and then. 
you know, next week your car will break down and you'll think, oh, that was that was definitely the, the tower card. That's what that meant. But I don't know. I've, I feel like I've watched some videos of that um, that game, Taboo, being played, and it mm-hmm. seemed like it was just similar to a typical tarot reading where it's 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 sort of vague. It doesn't give you, like, exact details of things. So it's quite easy to interpret them in, you know, in a broad way. Yeah, because if you think about it, right, an NES game, you haven't got a lot of, you've got a cartridge and you haven't got a lot of um, space to work with. And you have to make a game that is, that can keep people's attention, that you feel like you're getting your money's worth. Because, you know, they weren't yeah. cheap. So you're going to have to use words. When you give a response, those words are going to have to be quite generic. Uh, what, you know, what, what the responses are. So you have to make sure that when you give a response that it could be taken for that, like you just said, that person could take it in, in any particular way. So it says, like, you know, there might be something you know, dark in your future. Um, it could mean anything. It, it could mean anything. It might mean you, you, you might have electric cut. You know, you might you lose power or your lights might go on your car or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like you just said, when people play these kind of games and uh, they, they have something happen, they're immediately going to think, oh, yeah, but that, I played that game and it said this. And then you are kind of putting two and two together and kind of getting four in a sense of, you know, you're making the story for yourself. You're making it come true. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah. to you, what, what do you feel about tarot? In a, I mean, I've t- I've talked to a few people who do tarot cards, um, mm-hmm. and it, and it is quite interesting. Uh, some of the things that they tell me are, are quite interesting, but I do think that yeah. the individual like you would do have to play a role in it. Do you not feel? I think so. I, d- I mean, like, I collect tarot decks. I really, I really enjoy like looking at the pictures and just sort of, you know, playing with them, like shuffling the decks and seeing what cards I draw out. But I'm no good at reading them really. And I think from what I, you know, I've watched a lot of videos about where people are saying how they read the cards and you know how to do a good reading and. I do think it's more to do with the interaction between, well, it's it's kind of like the interaction between the person reading the cards, the the person having their their cards read, and what's on the cards. And a lot of the times, I think the actual images on the cards are just there to spark something in the minds of either the reader or the person having their cards read. You know, it's more like I don't know. I could see it more like um, almost like a a creative thinking exercise it's a way of just sort of giving you a, a series of random inputs to sort of think about and how that applies to something in your life and then you you you'll you'll think you'll come up with different ways of thinking about those things or you know it'll give you different ideas i, I, don't, I don't know whether that means it w- will have the ability to predict the future but it might give you like a, a different way of looking at things that are happening in your life at that moment you know what i mean mm. like a lot of the, a lot of the times i've seen card readings where it's not really like oh what's going to happen to me in a in a couple of days it's more like oh i've got this problem at work how can i deal with it and the cards will say the cards will say like um you know there's a there's a woman that's in the way and you you could think oh well that might apply to this certain person and then it might say you need to make a change and you'll think, oh yeah, I could see this aspect that I need to make a change with at work. You know, it, give, it gives you a different way of looking at a situation rather than being some kind of oracle that predicts the future. 
Yeah, I, I, I kind of think that as well, where it's kind of you have to look at it from a point of view where it's giving you a, a different a different angle on what the situation is and it's giving you yeah. a different perspective for you to see it rather than you being in the bubble. You're kind of, it's helping you from stepping outside of the bubble and looking in. And I, so I do think it's yeah, useful. Yeah. It is a, a useful way, yeah. but I, I don't I mean, know. There could, be a, there could be a paranormal aspect to it, I think, especially when you've got a really experienced card reader. They, they sort of develop an intuition. Yeah of people and what i think the cards are doing are just sort of like i say they're giving them that creative input and it's sort of just sending their mind in a certain direction and they're able to sort of pick up certain signals from people and you know there might be a kind of mystical aspect to it that these that sort of it, there's like an interaction between what the pictures on the cards and the meanings of them and the minds of the two people involved in the reading and there might be a, you know I, i'm quite open to the idea that there might be a paranormal aspect to that you know there's a something that they can pick up also psychically yeah, some from, sort of esp sort of thing where yeah where yeah they're... something like that yeah but yeah. i don't know whether i like I, I've, i'm not really sure whether the cards themselves will have some kind of power to them i think it's just like i say i think it i think it is just a, a series of images that are capable of creating something in the mind so i don't know i, I have a hard time describing that yeah but, but um, I, was, I, uh, I, I do i also see i don't see how that wouldn't also translate into a computer game if they had the same images on the cards well the user is um yeah i think it's a it's a it's a i think also, the per the person playing the game plays a great role in it. It kind of working, as you say, because we're putting our own slant on it. But I, I was going to say, yeah. I was just looking, and I didn't realise that there were so many Ouija board uh, video games as well. Um, that oh, you, know, you can play now. I was just wondering, how on earth would that work? Because you've got no, you you're not going to really sort of. Oh, I better just uh, hold my uh, joystick just lightly, so it's uh, you know, it's it's all done on the screen. So I'm wondering how they mm. the ma that the mechanics of that would work. I mean, obviously games. I didn't even days. know they existed. Yeah, apparently there are. There's there are Ouija board video games out there, but I'm just wondering mm. how on earth that would work. Bit bit bit. Strange. I suppose you could have a good one. I I, I can imagine it working on um, like a tablet, like a touch screen. Yeah, I suppose, but there's you know, going to be put your finger on the screen and what what's move? I mean, because we say with the Ouija with the Ouija boards, then it's something that's acting through you and it's moving the planchette, mm. and and that's where you get, you know it's a it's something that's not you're not voluntarily doing it, but then there's an, obviously yeah. the other side of it where it is the person doing it, but it's th they're doing it subconsciously and they're doing it through the way of a uh, an unconscious conscious movement through a connection to whatever is consciously unconsciously moving it for them so yeah. they're becoming a basically a conduit to whatever yeah. is you know a pass through but uh, that's just an uh, that's just an idea you know but anyway mm -hmm. so on your thoughts uh, final thoughts on this on this uh, game do you think it is possible yeah. for this to work I think it could, yeah. I, I, like I say, I'm quite open to the idea of tarot cards, and uh, I, I, yeah, it probably is open to the. I'm, I'm, I'm like looking at a video of the game now to see how it actually predicts things, and it seems to work in a similar way. It just sort of gives you the cards, and it tells you a sort of vague interpretation of what that card means. It doesn't give you like a definite answer. It doesn't say like because what I read about this game when I was looking into the urban legend was that there was a number of 
children who died after playing it and they'd they'd asked the game when they were going to die and it predicted the date of their deaths and then those those deaths came on those dates I, I saw a couple of articles that made that claim and now i'm looking at the game I don't see how that could be possible. It doesn't seem to be the sort of game that gives you like a, a date like that. It doesn't say like you're going to die on the 9th of January or something like that. You know, it just seems to say yeah. like this card is judgment. The card is reversed. The conclusion of the issue is unable to face the facts, indecision or failure. You know what I mean? It gives you kind of kind of vague answers you're gonna to read you. into that aren't you, you yeah mean, yeah i've just read into that and i just listened to that i just listened to you tell me that and i was thinking to myself maybe i should buy a boat you know <laughs> maybe i should yeah. sell up and go live on a boat somewhere mm. I, it, it, it's those kind of it, it's those kind of uh, responses that that just work they just work yeah I, so i don't know like like i said i, I was looking into this a little bit before we started just to see what the what i could find and i saw t at least two different articles saying that there was like that happened like some kids died after playing it and it was suddenly withdrawn from sale what i think was probably happened was this this game just didn't sell very well yeah so they so they just took it so they just withdrew it because it's you know they, why would why would why would a kid want to play some game about tarot cards you can imagine that can you <laughs> you're saturday morning right you've just done your paper round and you've got your wages and you've got three pounds because that's what you get for delivering your papers and you go to your mum uh go home and you have your you have your your um your marmite on toast and then you off you, you go on the and you put on your chopper you ride down and meet your mate, your mate, uh, you know, Kevin. And he jumps on the bike. He gives him, you give him a backy on your chopper. You go to town and you get, you park your bike and you go into the, uh, you go to the local Boots or Woolworths because that's where they sell cassette games because they mm -hmm. always just sell them back then. And you go in and you, and you look in and you think, oh, I just want to, I just want to get a game. And you look on the, the like the one pound, one ninety nine deal. You have nothing there. You see another one. And it's like two ninety nine. You th you see this game. You see this game, right? And it's on, you know, it's a called taboo, and you, and you look at it and you think, oh yeah, and it's on, it's on offer, but you still can't really afford it because that's pretty much all of your wages. And then the guy comes over and he goes, Do you know what, son, you want that game because uh, three kids have died from that game. You're a kid, aren't you? You're gonna buy it. You're gonna buy it. <laughs> You're gonna buy it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you go home and you think, when am I gonna die? And then you're waiting for the date to come through and you think, well, there's no dates on here. I've been conned. I've been conned. He's just telling me all this yeah. weird stuff. Uh, the thing is, as well, you, there, there will be some kids who have got that game, and it's like one of the three games that they own in their collection. So they're like forced to try and play it and derive some kind of enjoyment from it because it's like you've, they've spent all their money on this game. Because this happened to me a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. I'd go down the shop, spend all my pocket money on a game, and get it home and realize it was absolute rubbish. But because it was one of the few games that I owned. You'd like you'd you'd play it forever because yeah. it's like oh I've spent my money on it now I've got I've, I've got to get some worth out of it. It's a form of uh, yeah. what, what you were doing there, Tom, is you were punishing yourself. You were you were <laughs> yeah, I guess teaching so. yourself a lesson, a lesson learned that don't don't take that just do not. I fell for this when you go and buy a game when you was a kid. When you went and bought a game mm. and you looked at the cover, you like. And they had the glorious cover, some of the best cover art. It was just amazing. Yeah. Always turn it over and look at the screen caps. 
and make sure that they're not off like a C64 when you're looking at a Spectrum yeah. game and they're like C64 yeah, was... screen caps. He's again, this is yeah, amazing. Got... They do that a lot. Yeah, they've... They, you... The game looks completely different from. Yeah. yeah, I've got a lot of. I've got an absolute massive collection of Spectrum games. Like I've collect. I started collecting them as an adult, and I've noticed that with so many of the games, the the images on the back are from a completely different system, and a lot of the times, they weren't like direct ports from each other. Like a a, game, a, a certain game on the ZX Spectrum would be completely different from the c64 version but they'd have the screenshots from the different version on the back yeah it's, uh, <laughs> i don't know what it is about spectrum games but they do have a a certain um charm a certain charm about them. yeah especially yeah. um the zx spectrum uh the 48k um my mm. mate used to have one i remember him playing uh, jetpack and jet set willy and all those kind of games and they have a certain manic minor or whatever it was and and it was like um uh, just a certain charm about them. Certainly, I mean, I've got uh, I've got two of those large moving bins, the big ones, full of Spectrum uh, cassette games. Now, not not yeah. ripoffs, but a real, you know, proper Spectrum Spectrum mm. games. And and I just I've got them, and I don't even own a Spectrum anymore. <laughs> yeah. just, but I've still got them. It's just nostalgia. It's just nice to sort of look at them and look at the read the review. Mm. It was on the back. Oh, best game of of the year or whatever. Just just amazing. Yeah, just yeah. amazing. The same with me. It's a lot of these cassettes. You get them like they're so old. When you put the cassettes in, they don't work anyway. So yeah. you just end up collecting them just to have like the physical thing and yeah. to be able to look at the inlay and stuff. And, physical you know, media. And then you'll play the game from a from a file or something. Mm. Physical media is. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a, it's dying out. Physical media is yeah. things that we. I know we're going on a bit of a tangent, but it is relevant to what we're talking about. And uh, you, when you think about physical media, I think a lot of nostalgia is having things that you can that 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 are tangible that you can hold and you can look at. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, yeah. and and from you having that in your hand, it invokes memories of past things that you've done or or experiences that you've had. Um, rather than something that you, that, I mean, I'm, I love books. I read a lot of books and I've got a little library of books and I wouldn't say I've got a, a massive library, but I've got a, a little library of good quality books. And, um, but I still use my, my um, Kindle all the time. But, yeah. you know, the, 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 the act of holding a book, I haven't done that for, well, since I've had my Kindle, three, four years. I very rarely read from a book now, um, unless I'm making... Mm -hmm show notes or whatever and i need to sort of just quickly look through some pages but most of the time i'm uh, i'm on my kindle so it's a it's a non-materialistic thing it's all out there in the in the ether in the cloud and i think yeah. with video games yeah. as well most of the video games that i play i'm not i'm not playing a uh, uh, actual version of it i'm on a cloud somewhere playing it either by cloud gaming or uh, you know it's it's out there somewhere it's not something i've had to plug it in and blow the cartridge a few times to make it work because apparently <laughs> that's what that's the magic you got to get the blow right to get the cartridge yeah. to work but yeah I, I, you don't do that anymore and it's nice to have something that's tangible um like albums i still collect albums and uh, it's nice to play a record now and again even though it's you know it's a mm. it's a different kind of sound and some people say it was inferior but it's a it's a sound of my of my childhood my my teenage years because that yeah. that's what i was used to but anyway so uh i think that uh having 
stuff like that is just nice. It's nice to have around and it's good for sort of memories. But anyway, moving on, moving on. We, we haven't we haven't finished yet. We've got a few more of these uh, weird <laughs> things to talk about. Now, the next one, I, I, this is one I could never pronounce properly. And I'm going to I'm going to give it a go. And I haven't I haven't been practicing. I'm going to give it a go. Uh, Pol- Polybius, Polybius. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, Polybius. Polybius, yeah. that's it. Now, this is a 1980s arcade game. Um, now, uh, this is my favourite. This is my favourite, um, what we're going to call, um, some people say, it's just an urban legend. All right, fair enough, but it's still an interesting uh, urban legend. Do you know the story based around this game? I, I'm not too familiar with it. I've heard, I've heard vaguely little bits and pieces, but um, I, I don't know. No. Right. So... This game is a 1980s game, right? Um, But in the, I think it was the 2000s. Well, anyway, it popped up in a place, in an arcade in uh, Portland, Mm -hmm. Oregon, right? Just out of the blue. It was there one day, and it's it's one of these kind of weird, kind of progressive games where they're trying to push the the boundaries of the uh, ability of the, you know, the microchips and that. So, um, now... A little bit, like, little bit down the road, these these urban, urban legends started to pop up that this game was in fact some sort of military psyop, and uh, that it was out there in the wild in certain places, and it was there to test people, and it was also there to um, uh, uh, brainwash people in a way that they were having fun playing a game, not knowing that they were being that the game was in in fact giving them covert instructions to think a certain way. It was also mm. allegedly, I say, I make sure I get this in because I, I don't want people saying, you said that this happened and it didn't. I'm not saying anything happened. I'm just saying that this is what I read and I've written down. So um, basically, as I say, it was, apparently it was allegedly used for as a brainwashing tool. It was also apparently... Uh, used as a a tool to grade people for induction into particular military operations. Don't know what that means. It just I don't know what that means. It could be yeah. um, it could be an astronaut, or it could be somebody who's a special agent. I don't know. Um, now, and allegedly, this this arcade and this machine was seen having. Uh, men in black around it, men in suits, official-looking men that would come in and do stuff to the machine. That that, that in itself, mm. I've never seen a, an arcade engineer in a suit. Usually, he's got a cigarette in his mouth, he's in a bad mood, and he's wearing a pair of overalls that aren't done up at the front. That's that's usually the guys that yeah. I've encountered <laughs> in arcades. But um, uh, so, what do you think? Is that is it? I I think now. Let's be honest. I'm not going to waffle too much. I'm just going to say that it's 1980. Uh, the the arcade machines are at their height. They are immensely powerful with the youth. I think if you're in the military and you want to do something like that to find out who's clever and who isn't, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, what yeah, I could. Uh, yeah, and then and then years later, make everyone believe that it was just you know it, it's just a creepy urban legend. And then no one believes it. That'd be a good tactic, I think. How do you I think mean, they would go about that? How would they go about it, though, Tom? What what aspect of it? Well, 
okay, the brainwashing. Yeah, how would it how would it work? Well, how would you think that would work? What what would you think mm. the message would be? Is it a way a certain way to act or what? I don't know. You could um, you could program it to do like you could you could have different machines and you could program them to try and subliminally get people to act in different ways, and then you could observe players doing it and see what they do immediately after. You know, like uh, right. So you could you 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 could you could have something as simple as like playing this game makes you want to go and buy a coke, and then you see how many people go and buy a coke immediately afterwards. And then use that. Uh, yeah, you know, you could have you could you you could have a machine next to it selling drinks, and then, right, how many people go and buy a coke from this machine after playing this game? So, like, does it increase the, game, the sales? Yeah. Well, actually, what you could do is you could play the game, and if you were good at it, and you were did pass all the tests in the game, it would make you at the end subconsciously want a fizzy pop, a coke, a Coca Cola. So you would go and mm -hmm. buy Coca Cola if you were rubbish at it and you you weren't a candidate then it would make you go buy like a hot dog and then they would be like in a two-way glass these two shroudy men with uh with, with suits on and that they'd be behind mm. the glass panel because arcades back then had a lot of mirrors so they could have all been in all the arcades we don't know uh and they could be yeah. watching the kids and they could be writing down on their pap their notebook how many had colas and how many had hot dogs and then obviously yeah. all the Coca-Cola ones, they would be like, uh, they would be like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, where the guy, you know, would approach him at the end uh, with, and I've got an assignment for you. Um, or they would basically keep an eye on people. I don't know. It's, uh, it, mm. oh, I, like, well, like, what was it? What was it supposed to do to you? This game, like, was it supposed <coughs> to like well, make it, you go crazy or something? No, it like, just what's, what's it the was, story? Um, well, the. Uh, apparently it was it was apparently a well an urban legend apparently allegedly i gotta say all these words um it was some form of brainwashing i didn't go in any yeah. deeper than that um uh, but brainwashing I'm could be anything i mean we we all get brainwashed every day through you know through live being alive for through being mm. advertised to you get brainwashed everywhere to think a certain way to think of a certain certain product you know uh, yeah, you, yeah. You, you suddenly think. Oh, somebody said to me the other week. Oh, it's uh, it's amazing that I was uh, I was at home and I was talking to my wife, and uh, I'd I'd have a look. I'd have a look on the uh, uh, I'd look on the on the telly and on the internet about a thing, thing I wanted to buy, and the weird thing was when I went on my Facebook, bloody adverts was on there, weren't they? It's like oh, it's just yeah. like, it's like someone's listening to me. I said, yeah, because yeah. You, you're leaving a cookie trail. That's why. Oh, what? What's that? Yeah. Uh, no clue no clue you know he could have played that video game and th and he would have got most probably gone and bought a hot dog to be honest he would be in the yeah. hot dogs but at the end of the day it's like I'm, I'm i'm looking up to see what it says online about the effect so what this i'm on the wikipedia page now okay. it right. says yeah yep. And it does, and it d does say on this wikipedia page that it's just a it's a hoax or an, okay. an urban legend but it says Players supposedly suffered from a series of unpleasant side effects, including including seizures, amnesia, insomnia, night terrors, and hallucinations. Approximately approximately one month after its supposed release in 1981, Polybius is said to have disappeared without a trace. Vanished. It vanished. Mm. Yeah, that's that, that's they they the uh, men in black had gathered their data by then. And yeah. They, right. 
went on to uh, went on to produce something that may I mean maybe there's more games out there that have some kind of brainwashing effects but this one was like it was too it it wasn't subtle enough you know like right oh the, the kids are having seizures after playing this one we better we better get rid of it but you know they left space invaders in because you know that one was brainwashing people enough but it wasn't having any of those uh, right <laughs> obvious side effects so they pick the game up game up right it goes back on the on the truck and they take it back yeah. to uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base or wherever you know some area 41 mm. 31 or 51 or not, wherever and uh, they go back there and uh, they wheel it in and they go uh, all right jeff um uh, the game can you adjust it and he's like well I, I, I was calibrated yeah you need to adjust it it's too powerful well what's happening well we've already had seven kids kill themselves <laughs> could you imagine <laughs> it's yeah. a bit powerful you turn it down a bit you just a little bit just a smidge just a little bit yeah. so they just don't go out and their heads don't explode so, yeah. yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, they are designed like arcade machines are designed to brainwash you in a way, they are. like to just keep, keep pumping money in, and you know they're designed to they're designed psychologically in that way. So you know the idea of something like a Polybius machine isn't too far fetched. No, it's not. I mean, mm. you think about it. Say we are say we are we're, every day of the week we're brainwashed. As soon as we look at anything, any screen or a, any book or anything, it's, it's there. It's that it wants your attention. Yeah, yeah. That little advert, it wants your attention. Look at me. Buy buy these boots from wherever because that's what you need, mm. apparently. It's like when you, yeah, you buy stuff. I mean, I've done that. I've gone out and I bought some, and I've got home, and I thought I bought it. And it's get, I get that rush, don't you? I bought this. Mm. I'm on my way home. And when I get home, I'm going to put them on, and I'm going to feel good. And you put them on, and you think, <laughs> why, why did I buy these? Yeah, yeah. I've, just, I've just wasted 70 quid. Mm-hmm. And then you think, and then you think to yourself, do you know what? No worries. I've got a receipt. I'll take them back. And then all the night in bed, you're thinking, I don't, I should really keep them. Uh, you know, they're all right, you know. And then you, your subconscious mm-hmm. talks you into keeping them. So, yeah, yeah, we're our own worst enemies, Tom. Own worst enemies. Yeah. Pokemon. I remember, I remember there was another game in, in the 90s that had um, a weird rumor that it was like subliminally affecting people what pokemon was it? it was like it was like a puzzle it was like a puzzle game called ender fun it was like you're just rolling a cube around it was, i don't Never know because it, it. it looked a bit like no it's a weird obscure game apparently it was really crap so nobody bought it but there was a rumor that in the soundtrack of the game like they put these messages in that you'd hear the music but underneath it all there'd be like a voice saying like i'm having fun I'm enjoying this game. So it'd make you feel, even though the game was rubbish, you'd feel like you were enjoying yourself whilst you were playing it. I don't know if that's true, but I remember Do you reckon around that time there was loads of rumours. You just jogged a memory in my head. Wow, <laughs> you just jogged. Right, back in, I'm, I'm sorry I go on all these tangents, but it's another story from a long time ago. Do you, do you, all right, you did this because everybody, you know, you're in the same bubble there pretty much, but, um, right, so you, you, you swap records with your mates. You'd borrow an album and he'd borrow an album and, you know, you'd play it and record it or whatever, tape it and then you give it back. I remember, right, borrowing an album from my mate. That's, this is at, when I did at school. And, uh, I, he said, Oh, can I borrow that? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, what, I don't know what album it was. It was just an album he wanted to borrow from me. I went around his house. I said, Yeah, but I want to borrow one back. And it was one of these, um, <laughs> it was one of these, like, um, like, 
you know top 40 bands you know uh, chart bands and uh, chart songs yeah and uh he said yeah you can borrow that one it's a, I said, a double album he said yeah but don't play that track don't play that track backwards i said why not <laughs> he said yeah because if you play it backwards you'll die <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I remember those. I remember those rumors. Yeah. He said, "If you play it backwards, it invokes the devil." I'm like, "What are yeah. you on about?" I, just don't play track six of the second al- the album two because you'll die. I'm like, "Why would they sell that? Why would they sell an album?" I said, "Did it have a warning on?" No, just don't because I saw it. It was on the news. It was on a whatever. Don't play it, but and yeah, that was a thing, wasn't it? it, it a lot of like metal mm-hmm. albums, heavy metal albums. Uh, uh, don't play, don't play it that track backwards because you can hear them talking to the devil, or you can hear demons and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was, yeah. um, I can't remember the name of the band. There was a band actually. I'm going so off track here, uh, but there was a band that were in the studio. They were a, a rock band. It might have been it, actually. It might have been like a band like Red Hot Chili Peppers or something. But they were recording um, uh, an album. And they were in a, I could be way off. It's just, I'm really just drawing from past memories. They were in a studio, which was allegedly haunted, I think, or, or something. They had some sort of paranormal thing around it or, or had some sort of something like that. But they were recording an album. And somebody, most probably in the comments, will totally correct me. And, and thank you very much, because I need my memory jogging and I need to know the full story. But they were recording an album. And when they recorded the album, some of the tracks, and were mixing them, they were finding voices under the, uh, you know, parts of the tracks that they were like the drums and the bass or the vocals, and they were finding like these uh, whispers and stuff. And I know that you can get, okay. So when you have audio and you you sometimes I mean, I've been in a studio, I've recorded uh, EPs and stuff. I I know how this how you do it, but and I'm also aware that when you have certain sounds that they can make other sounds. So if you have a musical instrument and you have, um, I don't know, a keyboard or something or some vocals, sometimes certain frequencies, they they can clash with each other and they can make other sounds. And these phantom sounds Mm. can sound like voices. Because we did it in, um, we were doing it in the studio. We were having a, uh, I think it was a guitar. It was a guitar solo we were doing and it was, there were keyboards. I think it was keyboards on a track that we were doing. And um, it was making this other phantom sound. And it sounded like a, a cross between a cat squealing and a, and, and, a, and a dustbin. It was like a cat in a dustbin. It was really weird. It was like a clattering cat squeal sound. But the engineer said, no, no, it's, it's not a, it's, you're not possessed. It's just, it's just the two frequencies are just clashing. Um, so I, can have yeah. to, I have to do a bit of tweaking and, and I can get rid of it. But um, So, yeah, that's uh, possibly a thing. But I was going to say, going all the way back, to this this game maybe there's certain frequencies in the game that can affect your 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 brain receptors and cause problems so for example um it pokemon red and green when there there's a wasn't there a section on that that lavender was it the lavender lavender sound yeah, yeah. wasn't that well, there's a story behind that isn't there yeah it's um yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 familiar on this. This is another one where there's a lot of people on the internet who are like experts on the whole lavender town thing, and there's like hundreds of videos of people dissect. Oh god, my stomach's gurgling here. There's there's hundreds of videos of people um, like dissecting the legend and talking about it and whether it's true or not. So, you know, I'm I'm probably gonna. Uh, I, I don't know as much about it, but yeah, apparently there's a there's a town in what 
Is it like the first Pokemon games? Um, Pokemon Red and Blue? So the orig- uh, you're only in the apparently it's only in the original Japanese version. Uh, oh, okay, and, and there's there's a creepy town. Apparently. Yeah, there's, yeah there's is a, that right? There's a there's a, a level like a town level, mm. and in that level, um, there's sound that's in that level. The you know the music that goes with it. The music is yeah. meant to cause negative effects on children. Don't know what those negative mm-hmm. effects are, but uh, and I'm just gonna say. Maybe it's because what they did, um, apparently, was they um, uh, they redid the sound. They changed the frequency of the sound, apparently. But this is connected to, mm. um, you know, like it could be just um, an error, a programming error, where because there are certain frequencies that that can cause you to lose your balance or feel dizzy or feel sad. Yeah, you yeah. know, the military ex- experiment would sound weapons that can they beam certain frequencies at people to make them feel docile or you know sad or whatever but um so possibly this is a similar thing where they got got the frequency wrong and because obviously the majority of people that will be playing these games are children so it's obviously going to affect the majority of children and when you get to like my age you're pretty much half deaf anyway so um, yeah, yeah, you're not gonna hear it. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I mean, they, they have those they have those things where they've got like alarms that stop teenagers from congregating. Have you seen them? They've got like these things that blare out a certain signal all day oh, long. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they want they want kids hanging around, but like adults yeah. can't hear it. Yeah, it's and a the, it's a high, very high pitched sound. Like a, a, imagine it's the similar sort of thing as a dog whistle, but obviously teenagers' mm. hearing is a lot more. Uh, you know, it's susceptible to high frequency, and uh, yeah, and it, it's like a um, a little, a tiny little sort of horn tweeter thing that sits up near a building, and where kids congregate, they, it goes off, and it's yeah. almost like a very very high pitched. It doesn't hurt anyone, but it's uncomfortable to be around. Put it that way, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, so it could be. I mean, what I'm looking at now it says. It was shortly after it was released in 1986. There was a peak in sudden illnesses and children between the ages of 7 and 12 taking their own lives, which is pretty grim. I don't know if that's true, but it was somehow related to the to this game. And people suspect that it might be some tone that's in the music of Lavender Town. So we do know, so we do know that frequency and sound can cause um, a form of well, I'm not going to say depression, but it can cause like a sadness in people. Mm-hmm. We do know that we our, our bodies are affected by frequency, and you know, and it can have a a, a negative, can have a positive or a negative effect depending on the frequency. So maybe, maybe there is, maybe this game there is some truth to this game. Maybe, uh, maybe that is why they took it off and uh redid the sound to make it less of a you know so little kids didn't kill them yeah because that's i mean you think about it right i can i can understand that kids becoming ill you start, you get on a video game and you sit on there all night you're gonna get sick but you're not gonna mm. go on a video game and play it all night and go oh i'm gonna just kill myself now you're not <laughs> gonna do that are you let's be honest you're not yeah. gonna do that yeah unless there's some other yeah i don't i don't see how like how they would have made the connection so definitely like oh this there's been a spike in deaths 
or it's definitely to do with the lavender town how would how would they make that connection i don't i don't really understand how they would even do that i have no i don't know i i don't know i was going to say i remember something else creepy about pokemon around this time yeah. the cartoon causing seizures do you remember that no it was like a, a story bit... that like pokemon... there was a story that was a certain scene mm. in pokemon which would and when it was shown in Japan, all these kids started having seizures because there was like a, a flashing sequence of colours on the screen for a second, and it was at a certain frequency that caused seizures. And when it was brought over here, they like took that bit out. Could you imagine that? That's that. You know, you 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 know, you're I don't know, you're 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 Billy and uh, I don't know, Billy and William are on front of the telly holding their Pokemon figures watching and a new cartoon mm. and they're like yeah pokemon yeah it's the new cartoon and then the mum comes in with their, with their 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 dinner their sausage and beans or whatever and they're on the floor going uh, uh, uh. <laughs> can you imagine that <laughs> all frothing at the mouth and stuff like they're yeah. literally possessed did That's... the Simpsons make fun of it? Like, <laughs> Did they? I don't I'm sure know. there's a scene in the Simpsons where it's like, oh no, the seizure robots are back on. <laughs> and then they start, it starts flashing and they all start like twitching on the floor. But you think about it, we now know, and even TV programs come on and they got a warning about stuff like that, mm. you know, because obviously trigger warning of, that we know that it can affect certain people. It, uh, oh, it's yeah. so hypersensitive to it. It can affect them and they can have a seizure. So, but back then mm. there was none of that. They didn't. There was none of that. Just all the flashing things. Yeah, yeah. it's all right. He's just having a fit. It's all right. He'll be all right in a minute. Just just roll him over. Yeah. You know, make sure he doesn't swallow his tongue. He'll be all right. Just do it. All of his, all of his, all of his sausage and beans and his coke. He'll be. He don't want it. He'll feel sick when he wakes up. You know that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It'd be like, like that. Yeah. That's what it was like then. But now they're aware that that happens. So maybe this there's some truth to this i'm 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 gonna go with there's some truth to that one i think that there's uh, somebody will just write in the comments you're completely wrong mate it was all made up so yeah i win so uh yeah i think we've come to the end of this episode and what a great episode it was talking about video games you know we're both great fans of video games and on that note how's your video games going have you have you started any new video games uh yeah i've started well um on my gaming channel, I've got a little playthrough of um, there's a game called Prison Architects, which I'm playing through at the minute. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever played that. It's a pretty fun game. I know of it. I've You're never just building, played it. Building a prison. Um, I've I've started a Twitch. Oh, have you? Like live streaming? Yeah, but I've got like I've got about twenty followers on there. Uh, I haven't really advertised it. I'm I'm still sort of figuring out how it works. I just thought I'd maybe try and branch out a bit from YouTube because. I kind of tend to stick all my things in one place. I thought, well, maybe I'll start branching out. So I've started. Doing, I've done a couple of live streams on Twitch, playing games, you know, just retro games and uh, Prison Architect and stuff. Just, well, I'm still, I'm still kind of figuring out how it works. So it's interesting. Rough at the That's interesting. I'll have to check you out because I do uh, enjoy some uh, watching a bit of Twitch. I do enjoy some, uh, uh, you know, live streams on there. And I was also thought yeah. about. Uh, moving um, Paratalk uh, onto open up a Twitch channel on there for the podcast and doing some sort of uh, yeah you can do that doing some stuff on there with that because it's uh, it's quite I mean some people you either hate it it's a bit like Marmite Twitch is a bit like Marmite you hate it or you or you love it 
um for me uh it's it's a fun platform um you know and uh anything that you can branch out to is a, a good thing so yeah uh, you have to give me the link so I can get it um, get it linked in the uh, in the in the yeah, show notes. Okay. Yeah. So, get me uh, above twenty followers, and then uh, well, I'm sure streams. I'm sure it will grow quite soon. Uh, you know, <laughs> got to, everyone's got to start from somewhere. You know, and I think that um, it will be good for uh, you know it's it's always good to be on somewhere else. I mean, it's I mean I, I I've got the YouTube and and I've got my the podcast with Apple and uh, Spotify and all that, but it's always good to find somewhere else to go as well because you always you know there's always different people out there and you always find different you know different people with different reasons to come and listen to you or watch you or whatever and mm. you know people there are people out there that just want to listen and there are people that are there that want to watch so best of both worlds really isn't it yeah but anyway so uh yeah thanks for joining me on this episode uh good episode i hope everyone out there enjoyed it if you've got any comments or anything remember you can always uh shoot me an email or leave a comment on uh if I'm, if this is on the youtube you can leave a comment um and uh if you've got any ideas for uh further episodes uh please let us know and we'll we'll consider them but um yeah uh any final words tom um nope thanks for go. having me on there you go been fun <laughs> All right then. Uh, yep, been fun. Good. Yeah, it has. Okay. Well, thanks for everyone listening, and uh, well, we'll talk to you soon.